with the first pick. And welcome back to the Daft on Draft podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Devin Jackson, joined by Corey Kennan. And we're back for uh, another episode of the Daft on Draft podcast. How you doing today, man, Corey? Uh, glad glad to be to be back uh, talking ball. Obviously, we had a busy weekend of uh, college championship games and and whatnot. But uh, but how you doing, man? And and how are you embracing uh, kind of that uh, first wave of draft season now? Yeah, it's the busy time of the year now. It's the night where, you know, I'm trying my best to go to bed on time. But, but you know, it's like, oh, it's it's midnight. It's one. Okay, I should probably go to bed. Uh, but it's that time of the season. So, um, but I'm hanging in there, you know. Conference championship weekend was was thrilling. A uh, bunch of close games. Pac-12 was a blowout. But some shakeup in the, the standings in the top four there for the playoffs. Now we have to watch Ohio State play in the playoffs again. Should be fun. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it, it's exciting. It's, it's that time of the year. Senior bowl invites are obviously being accepted at, 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 at will. And, and now players are declaring players are returning. Transfer portal is off the charts. So I'm excited to get into all of that. All of it. Yes. Yeah. It's exciting, man. Um, we've, we've had quite a, quite a few news that, uh, that's broken this week that, uh, that's, is really taken over the Twitter by storm. Obviously the, the biggest one, to note is Deion Sanders taking his talents out west and enjoying the Pac-12. Uh, he will coach uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, uh, a program that I believe they went what one and eleven, two and ten this season. Uh, so they're they're coming off a really rough season, but you know more so than the obvious announcement. I think what's really been interesting to watch and kind of unfold over the last couple of days is who he's hiring on his staff. And uh, the first big hire came, uh, I want to say, or not necessarily came, but but the news was broke that uh, he would be bringing on Sean Lewis from uh, Kent State as his offensive coordinator. Uh, and then obviously today, uh, and you'll be hearing this tomorrow, but Charles Kelly was uh, supposedly going to be the defensive coordinator. So, First, we'll we'll talk about Sean Lewis and and kind of what he brings because we're we're both familiar with uh, what he's done at the MAC level um, of college football. What what were your first thoughts and, and reaction to to hearing that he was going to be brought on the staff at Colorado? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sean Lewis is a tremendous coach. Uh, I I don't know. He kind of goes under the radar because he's been at the MAC, you know, for so long. And people, I mean, I love MAC, but a lot of people don't watch MAC if you don't live in Ohio or you don't live in Michigan or you don't live, you know, in the the Midwest. But where where Maction is popular, it's like a it's a cult out here. Um, but Sean Lewis is a tremendous offensive mind. You know, he's he's going to spread the the ball out. And he's going to throw it all over the yard. Uh, big thing too. You know, uh, <clears throat> a lot of his players entered the portal as well. A lot of Kent State players. You know, Colin Slay, the quarterback, uh, Dante Cephas, the wide receiver, uh, have all entered the portal. And, and so it'll be interesting to kind of see. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Schley's going to go to Colorado considering Shador is, Shador is going to Colorado to, to start there. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if, if, you know, uh, Sean Lewis has some pool with, you know, a guy like Dante Cephas or, you know, I, I really like, uh, Devante, Devante's Walker as well. I think Devante's Walker is, is better than Dante Cephas. Cephas kind of gets, is most known, but, 
it, so that'll be most interesting to me. But, you know, I, I know Cephas has a ton of offers, ton of offers out there since he hit the portal. And, and uh, Devontae Walker hasn't hasn't hit the portal yet. So uh, he might not. Who knows? Uh, so that'll that'll all be really interesting to really interesting to watch. But Sean Lewis is is a, a slam dunk hire for for Deion, Deion Sanders. It doesn't look like it on the surface, but uh, it's a big hire. But yeah, Sean Lewis, uh, you know, he, he runs that up tempo style offense, you know, really puts the pressure on defenses, uh, runs plays every 20, 25 seconds. And I think it'll fit right in with the Pac-12 culture um, in terms of being able to put pressures on pressure on defenses. And, and if he's able to get, you know, like a Dante Sivas or like you said, Devontae Walker uh, on the team, I think you're really going to get a uh, significant upgrade on the offense already. But obviously, I think the the big kind of selling point, I think, will be can they how much can they improve, uh, you know, the interior, you know, offense and defensive lines. And I think that will be key for them to get where they need to go, because I think skill position wise, they'll get everything that they want in the portal, per se. But I think it's going to be even more important who they hire on, you know, those along those offense and defensive lines that can really recruit the position. I think that will be kind of the the big thing for that. Uh, Charles Kelly as well, uh, joining the staff. Uh, I don't know much about Kelly. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I don't know if you have many thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Charles Kelly either. But the, the one thing I am interested in is, you know, Bama's got a lot of players in the portal right now. So uh, coming from Bama, um, it'll be interesting to see if any Bama guys follow him. Uh, and, and then on a bigger scale, uh, when we're talking about transfer portal guys, we all saw the video of, of, of Dion Lewis pretty much telling all of the Colorado players he met with like, Hey man, I'm bringing my own guys in. So you might as well hit the portal uh, more or less. That's not exactly what he said, but um, so it'll be interesting. Dion's a high profile name and he was able to recruit to Jackson state, like Travis Hunter, the top recruit in the nation went to Jackson state. So obviously the name Dion Sanders has pool with recruits. I'm interested to see how much recruit he, how much pool he has right away. So, you know, outside of the Kent state guys, you know, Cephas, he could go to Georgia, he could go to Pitt. He's got offers all over the place. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting for sure to see kind of what stacks up. And, and while we're talking about the transfer portal, uh, we'll talk about some of the, the big names that have hit the portal, over the last, you know, well, really since Monday, because Monday was really the day that, you know, it kind of boomed pretty much everything you saw on social media. There was someone entering the per- portal, you know, pretty much every hour on the hour. But, uh, you know, some of the big names in the portal, uh, you look at the quarterback position. I mean, I can't think of a year that it's been this wide open. So many guys in the portal that, Maybe has NFL futures, maybe they don't, but they certainly have some or have had some some fun times in in college already. Uh, some some big names at the top of my head: Phil Jakovic, who reportedly now is at you know going to be uh, going to Pitt, but Jeff Sims, uh, DJU, Devin Leary, Spencer Sanders. I mean, there's so many names here in the portal. Uh, you know, was there a, a name or two that that really made you raise an eyes eyebrow when you you saw the no- news unfold? I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fun year. So I'm just interested, like, how are, how are like the senior bowl, shrine bowl, NFL bowl, how are they going to find enough quarterbacks to, to fill their rosters? You know, guys like Dracovic, uh, Spencer Sanders, Keaton Slovis, these are all like upperclassmen. You're like, oh yeah, those, those guys will get invites. And then they, they, they aren't declaring yet. They're going back to school. So, uh, from the quarterback position, uh, an underrated name, of course, there's DJ Uyunglele. You know, I, I, I heard a rumor Bo Nix might be going back to school. 
which who can blame him? I'm, Oregon's like the mecca of NIL money right now. So, you know, with Phil Knight and Nike being on campus. So, uh, I, I, so I've heard that, which makes me think DJU might be going to UCLA would be, I think is probably his best fit. And so that, that excites me. Jeff Sims is, is ultra talented. Uh, we'll see if he can figure it out. Uh, I've heard, you know, some things about Jeff Sims maybe going to UCF, uh, as well. Um, maybe Tennessee, something like that. Uh, but an underrated name at the quarterback position is, is, uh, Western Kentucky's Austin Reed. Austin Reed can sling it, man. He can play. Uh, he's going to be in the NFL, uh, whether that's as, you know, a career spot starter, career backup, but, uh, Austin Reed can play. Uh, and the rumor is he's, he's looking to transfer up to a P5 school. So, uh, at the quarterback position, I think Austin Reed is, is a low key name to watch. Um, you know, <laughs> there's always guys like, you know, Keaton Slovis, Spencer Sanders. I'm not, you know, I was, I was excited about those guys two years ago. And now it's just like, all right, just go, you know, De- Devin Leary too. And that might be, that might be the bigger name in, in the, in the pool uh, and seeing where he ends up. But uh, outside of the quarterback position, you know, uh, uh, Ladarius Henderson landing with Michigan is huge. That's a big one from Arizona state to Michigan. Jaheim Bell is in the portal uh from South Carolina I hope he goes somewhere that that can learn how to utilize him um and then Iowa Iowa already pulled two dudes from Michigan in the portal um in in quarterback Cade McNamara and tight end Eric Gall so um yeah I mean I think that's a good place to start who are some names that that stood out for you yeah so a couple under the radar names one Dorian Singer the receiver from Arizona uh really explosive guy that that you know a lot of people were looking at Jacob Cowing as kind of the the main guy but once again Dorian Singer for the second straight year uh really popped off on tape and you know his his best games were always in in their biggest games and and I love watching him play he's in the portal I think he's going to be a fantastic get uh Jimmy Horn Jr is another name at the receiver position that from USF uh really I mean USF was not a good program this year but he was a lone bright spot he's got P5 offers Penn State's in the mix for him as as one of the players so I'm very interested to see uh, kind of what happens unfolds. Obviously, you mentioned Gene Bell. I think that's probably, you know, one of the top five names, I would say, in in the portal. I, I would – any team should be offering him, you know, dropping everything and get him on the team because he's one of those chess piece type players that you play all over the field. You can put him at tight end. You can, I mean, South Carolina use him at running back at times, uh, you know, on screen. So – I'm very interested to see who ends up picking him up. And, and like you said, I want someone uh, that picks him up to, you know, be ready to utilize him uh, in several different facets. But Darius Henderson was another big one. Um, really liked his tape over the summer. I uh, didn't get to watch him this year at Arizona State. But joining that Michigan, uh, you know, group of uh, great offensive line, they continue to to recruit very well every year, year in and year out. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch his growth, he's certainly already a good run blocker, but I want to see him continue to take that step in the, uh, you know, pass protection. But, you know, that's the second year in a row um, that they have pulled in a transfer in the interior. Uh, they they got the center from Virginia last year, now going mm-hmm. to the senior bowl as well this year too. So they, they know how to hit the portal and hit it quickly. So those, those I love are some your, of the... your I love your subtle not even willing to attempt to pronounce as the center's yeah. permission's L- name. Listen, that was that I... was a real good bypass. I love it. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm I'm as much as I watch these guys, I there are times <laughs> that I cannot pronounce names. I'm not even going to pretend to to announce them, but those who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. So, just call him Olu. 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 All right. 
Yeah. There you uh, go. Justin Flo is another big one. I, I, I skimmed over Justin Flo, but, you know, an ultra, ultra athletic linebacker from Oregon, battled some injuries. His tape's not that great. I, I still think he needs to learn some instincts for the position, but, you know, he's a really, really explosive athlete. So, um, you know, if he can go somewhere that, that, that can get his eyes in the right place, he, he's going to be a good pick, uh, in, in the draft next year or the year after that. Um, just a tremendous talent, but, um, you know, we, instead of going through this, this whole list, cause again, it's long already. This transfer portal list is long. Um, yeah, I think we did a, a pretty good job of, of knocking out, you know, some things like that, you know, uh, again, quarterback Phil Jakovic already, already committed to Pitt. There's some guys who've already committed other places. So that'll be really interesting to see how the dominoes fall. Um, especially with, with the coaching carousel, you know, we talked about Dion, but Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin, uh, Graham Mertz transferring out pretty much as soon as Luke Fickle got hired, which means, you know, Luke was like, I'm going to get my own guy pretty much. Um, so, you know, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how these dominoes fall. Um, you know, now Purdue has an opening, so we'll see if Purdue has some guys going one way or the other, uh, depending on who gets hired into Purdue. Does that, does that coach bring any players with them? But um, just some really, really interesting names to watch. So, uh uh, shout out to our guy Alex Katzen for being the spreadshirt god and staying on top of all of this stuff, so we have something to, to follow while we record and read off of. So, Alex, if you're listening, thank you so much. Yeah, he. This is amazing. I mean, I'm going through the list now, and you just see hundreds and hundreds of names in the portal. Like you said, a lot of Alabama guys in the portal as well. So, we'll see kind of uh, what all unfolds. Uh, but but we're going to continue to move forward because you know outside of the declarations or outside of the transfer portal, we also have had a ton of declarations. And I think two of the biggest names right now uh, lie at the quarterback position. And you log on Twitter at any given day, I guarantee one of the, one of these two names you'll see on the timeline, but Anthony Richardson and Will Levis have both declared for the draft this year. Levis opting out of the bowl game to go ahead and get prepared for the NFL draft. Um, and I believe he's, we're still waiting on him to accept his senior bowl invite to see if he's going to be down there in Mobile. But Anthony Richardson is an underclassman, so he does not have a senior bowl invite. But anytime these two names are mentioned, you know, people are on vastly uh, opposite sides of the fence. So we'll go ahead and get started with Will Levis. Uh, you know, what do you think, you know, just I guess in general about this game and uh, you know, now that he's declared, we can can finally put him under the microscope. Yeah. So the big thing with Will Levis is, you know, he he's the athletic had a really good write up about him working with a bio a biometric um, quarterback coach. So his mechanics are ultra smooth. His upper body is, is really really smooth uh, in terms of mechanic his release. Very whippy, very quick. Uh, generates a lot of torque with his hips, a lot of power from his hips. Um, I'm not a huge Levis guy. I know, I know there are a lot of people out there, you know, and, and, and you know, Rich Scangarella, Liam Cohen have been his two offensive coordinators at Kentucky the past two seasons as well. Both NFL offensive coordinators, you know, Cohen is now Scangarella has in the past. Um, and so, you know, he has a lot of experience in a wide zone system. He has a lot of experience in a system that's infiltrated the NFL. So uh, in terms of, of transitioning from Kentucky to the NFL, he's at least going to have a, a pretty broad and a pretty high floor uh, to work with in terms of, uh, you know, if he goes to, to a place that runs wide zone, he's, he's going to be able to at least do some things day one. Um, I wish he were more accurate. You know, I, I do think that, that Levis, uh, tends to airmail quite a bit. Um, I don't think he's super accurate down the field. Um, and so I think, he, I think he leaves a lot of chunks on the field. Um, 
and, and then we can get to his feet a little bit. His feet are are, are going to need rebuilt. His footwork's going to need a full reconstruction uh, when, he, when he starts taking in some NFL coaching. Um, but but you know most a lot of college quarterbacks are that way. So I, that, I'm not super worried about you know his footwork being um, being in need for for being rebuilt. Um, but all that being considered, I'm a little bit lower on, on Levis than than a lot of people are. You know, he's going to go first round. He's got a massive arm. He's got a bazooka. So um, he does a lot of things well. Um, but again, I wish he were more accurate. I wish he were a little more careful with the football. He tends to, uh, when he sees something down the field, he wants to go for it. And, you know, he's he's had some ill-timed throws uh, into coverage. So, um Yeah. Uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel about Levis right now. I'm going to dig a little more deeper into it. You know, I've charted every single one of his games. Um, and that, and that's kind of where, where my, my, my baseline is right now. I just, he's going to, he's going to be a gamble. You know, you, you get him comps to Carson Wentz a lot. I see a lot of Carson Wentz in him. Um, under pressure, he kind of comes out of his mechanics a little bit under pressure. He kind of, uh, panics with his eyes as well. So I think Carson Wentz is a really good comp for him. And and so he's going to need a coach who's going to be one, be willing to be patient with him and two, uh, and maybe take a little bit off of his plate in terms of a run game, in terms of, uh, being creative with play action off of play action looks and good screen game, things like that. Yeah, I think the big thing for me, I agree a lot with what you said, but I think the one thing that stands out is I feel like there's never a string of plays where he's always putting everything together. Like, it feels like he'll have one good drive, like he'll make, you know, three, four good throws on time, timing down, um, in rhythm, you know, off play action. I think, you know, he's best working downhill off that quick play action, Um, you know, a lot of the, the pro um, you know, type of schemes you see. I think, you know, when when the read is there and it's very well defined, it feels like, you know, okay, I can get behind this guy. But when things start to break down, when, you know, teams are disguising coverages, it seems like that that post snap ability is just not there yet. And and it makes sense, you know, like changing all a little bit of offensive systems from last year to this year, but you will want to see in a senior quarterback that ability that whatever a defense is going to throw at you, you know how to pick it apart. And with him already running pro style concepts, I'm just seeing a lot of, you know, inconsistencies from drive to drive. It's not even just, you know, from an overall game aspect, you know, there'll be some missed throws. It, it just seems like he can't continue to to keep it rolling. Like it seems like once he gets, like, you know, there's a pressure up the middle and he has to, you know, make something happen or, you know, that first read isn't there. He has to look off. You know, a lot of times you've seen him take off and run or you, you see him like, you know, scramble out of the pocket. And there to me, there's just not enough, you know, consistent snaps of him staying in the pocket and, and going from one to two to three, hitting the backside dig. I, he certainly has the arm strength and talent to do so, but there's just not enough consistency you know, in, in his tape and being able to do that. And this is just off of three games. Cause I, I watched, um, I want to say I watched the Georgia game. I watched the Florida game in the South Carolina game. No, did he play in? I, no, I don't think, I think that was from last year, but the Georgia in, um, Florida, Florida games, like first half of the Florida game wasn't bad. You know, there were times that, you know, the first couple of drives, he looked confident. He looked, the, the ability to deliver throws, you know, layering throws, you know, in, in, in windows, but then 
there was that one drive that, you know, he gets sacked and then, you know, he airmails a pass. And like, I feel like once it starts to unravel a little bit, that's where he starts to really struggle getting back on track. So to me, I think that's kind of the hardest part of the evaluation. You see the talent, you see the ability to, you know, you see the, just the natural ability, you you know, he's running these pro concepts when he makes the throws, it looks really good, you know, but to me, there's too many times, like even on deep balls, they're still leaving, leaving a lot to be desired. You know, sometimes they're uh, slightly underthrown. Sometimes they're very underthrown. So, to me, it's like you see a guy with all the tools, but it just feels like he's not just being able to string together a consistent play. And and I think that's been the hardest part for me evaluating him is like how consistent is he going to be at the NFL level? And that that leaves me pause for cause for taking him in the first round, but I know he's going to go first round. And without a mm-hmm. doubt, we, we see it already. But should he, based on this play this year, I don't know. That's, that's a big question mark for me. Yeah, I agree. And another guy that's going to be really heavily debated and also already declared uh, is is Anthony Richardson from Florida. So Anthony, a third year sophomore, uh, that is one that you know was I, I, not not surprising. I kind of knew he was going to out, but a guy I thought could have benefited from another year in college just because his play was so volatile. Uh, but Anthony also brings a lot to the table the same way that that Levis does. Again, he's got a, a bazooka. Um, there are a lot of things that I think Richardson does does better than Levis as well. One, his lower half mobility is uh second to none like justin fields maybe is the closest we've seen to anthony richardson in three years uh i guess malik willis too um but but richard richardson can fly he can fly he can move with the football in his hand and he's tw- he's a twitchy athlete too so uh that has to be considered um and i i i think he, he has a lot of the same upper body uh fluidity that levis has as well you know i think I think the way that that he sequences his throws is is excellent. Uh, he also draws a lot of power from from his hips because he's he's a pretty loose thrower. You know, there's no tightness in his hips, um, and that really helps him. What he what I think he does better than Levis though is I think he's a lot calmer in the pocket and pressure. Um, again, we talked about Levis's feet. I, I see it with with Richardson. I see him navigate pressure. I see him navigate pockets. I see him align his feet with his front shoulder with his eyes. I, I see that on tape quite often. Uh, again, he's also inaccurate as hell. So, uh, so somebody's going to have to be really patient with with Anthony Richardson. But if Anthony goes to somewhere like the Giants with Dayball, he's going to be a star. I think if he goes to somewhere like Detroit, where they have a second first round pick, you know, they've got weapons, the Jameson Williams, they got an offensive line around him. Uh, it seems like Detroit's being really patient with the rebuild. Uh, I think Detroit could be a good landing spot for him. So. Richardson, he's also going to go first round. I would be shocked if he didn't go first round. Um, but I think he does a lot of a lot of the the finer details better than Levis. I think he's got a lot of a lot of those down better than Levis does. So uh, I'm in on Anthony Richardson. Uh, I wish he was more accurate. You know, uh, one of those things where you know, do I have a first? Would I put a first round grade on him? Probably not. But I know he's going to go first round because the the tools are there, and some of that the the, the smaller details are there, so that he has a good foundation. Yeah, I think with Richardson, you know, you also got to account that he's had less time playing, you know, actually starting than Will Levis. You know, Will Levis, you know, kind of bounced around a little bit at Penn State, played a few games here and there. Obviously, that COVID season was very weird. But in terms of, you know, going in week one star the next season, Anthony Richardson really didn't become the star, I want to say, until four or five weeks down the line. Plus, you know, with 
the change of coaches, obviously Billy Napier in. So a little bit of different, uh, you know, play style and from what he did last year to this year as well. But but I agree. I think with Richardson, I feel a little bit more comfortable with some of his deficiencies, I think, than Will Levis. Because with Richardson, part of that is also, you know, game experience. He has only started, I want to say, less than 20 games in college. And, you know, he, he's certainly got the the first round tools, the the ability to to make all the throws. And, and like you said, the running ability is second to none. But but I really like his ability to evade pressure, and and I think you make up a bring up a great point about Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson. Will Levis just seems panicked in the pocket all the time. You know, there's just not mm-hmm. enough plays where you see him stepping up, maneuvering the pocket, feeling the pressure. I think feeling the pressure is the biggest thing because with Levis, you see him kind of he has to almost get hit to to really feel it and start to bail out of the pocket. Richardson, he just has that natural feel you know a lot of times in that Georgia game um you know being able to watch that game you see him maneuvering the pocket I mean he's he's evading dudes like Jalen Carter I mean it's it's impressive to watch him to maneuver in the pocket obviously you want him to have that full complete play where he's able to throw an accurate pass you know downfield once he evades all of that and, and whatnot and so for him it's like putting full plays together. It's not necessarily like stringing plays together because he can do that. He just does that with his own magic and ability to escape. Um, and and then, you know, when there's a deep ball, it's always, almost always perfectly placed, you know, always out on the outside shoulder uh, leading his guy. If it's a back shoulder, it's right there. You know, he didn't get help with some, some drops this year and, and really the lack of explosiveness at the receiver position for Florida. Um, but But I think overall, to me, I don't like I usually don't like doing these type things, but I feel like if you put Richardson in that Kentucky offense, you would see a vastly different quarterback than mm-hmm. what you see with Will Levis in Florida's offense. And I think to me that kind of speaks to or how I'm gonna feel about kind of this quarterback class. You know, you know, whether or not, you know, Will Levis puts it all together and same thing with Anthony Richardson remains to be seen. But to me, you know, part of that reasoning is why I like Anthony Richardson uh, a little bit more than I do Will Levis. I think both guys are going to need some work. Like you said, they they need to clean up some things, especially footwork wise. But but like you said, as well, Richardson does a a, a lot better job maneuvering it and keeping that clean base. When you see Levis, he really, you know, if he's not in rhythm, if he's, if if there's pressure of the middle, you really see his feet become scattered, and and that leads to live is inaccurate throws. So I wonder if. For Levis, I mean, it's not going to change at the NFL level, but how much can you, you know, kind of keep him calm in the pocket, you know, because those tendencies show up in NFL, whether or not, you know, it, it you know, we, we see it, you know, on the, the college film. But Anthony Richardson, supreme talent. I, I think I'd take him over Will Levis at this point right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And, and I will never cop a guy to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an outlier to the the nth degree because even josh allen mechanics were a mess coming out like the thing about josh allen was he had a big arm and he could run a little bit uh but similarities that i see to anthony richardson and josh allen are and this is kind of what i chart for is yeah they both suck at operating the short game josh allen still struggles at operating the short game at times in buffalo right now and he's a he's a top four quarterback but what they can do while they might they might be late they might miss on the on the short game they're they they make up for it and they compensate for it 
by being able to connect deep down the field, by being able to, to create chunk play, plays and connect on chunk plays. So um, it's been really interesting for me as I chart to, to see guys like and Mahomes kind of falls into this category too, uh, because Mahomes' feet are, are kind of all over the place, but, but he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, isn't known as a super accurate guy. Um, but now that analytics are starting to come in, the guys like Allen, the guys like Mahomes, their EPA per play is still extraordinarily high, even though, you know, the, the short game might not be there a hundred percent of the time. And it's because they're able to make up for it by connecting on those chunk plays. So I think that's going to be a key to success for Anthony Richardson, even if he's, he's going to struggle with live reps. He has one, one starter, some starts last season too. He's going to need live reps. Um, and he's going to struggle through it, but that's how I think he's going to stay afloat. The same Josh Allen did the first year, two years in Buffalo. He was not a good quarterback the first two years in Buffalo, but he did on chunk plays and he was able to create legs. And I think Richardson's going to do the same thing until he kind of finds his ground in the NFL, finds his footing in the NFL. Again, he's going to need a pace and head coach. I think Brian Dable, again, is the perfect fit for that. Um, so that would be magnificent in my, in my mind. Um, same coach who coached Josh Allen. Um, but that's, those are kind of the similarities I see. He plays. Yeah, he's he's an extraordinary talent, extraordinary athlete, refined mechanically. I think. I think. I don't think he has. I mean, he can refine a little bit in his body, but I think he has a very strong foundation to work with, both with his feet and with his upper body. Um, and so I'm excited to see kind of where he lands in the NFL. So a player that uh, you know we talked about players like declaring and and coming back, but uh, one player in particular that's going to be. Uh, or declare for the draft is uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma from Ohio State receiver. A lot of people have him as wide receiver one coming into the season, but now, you know, hadn't played really much of this season. And, you know, people are, are worried a little bit about about the long speed and, and all types of concerns. But, you know, Corey, with with you obviously being someone that, that has uh, watched C.J. Stroud closely, uh, you know, what what is it to make of – uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba in, in his game, and, and what do you think he brings to the NFL level? Yeah, I, I envision like a Cooper Cup type for Jackson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, I thought he would have the opportunity to win more on the out this year. You know, he ran over ninety percent of his routes in the slot in twenty in twenty twenty one. So you know, I wanted to see more outside the numbers from from Smith and Jigba, but. Again, as far as it, like route running, his release package, his ability to throttle, I don't have worries about him. his hands, his body control. Like he's refined all of that. But again, it's it's tools, it's those traits that you worry about. The long speed, uh, strong enough to win against press if he is playing outside the numbers. Those sorts of things uh, that he didn't really dispel this year. You know, those, those were were things come the season that they had to prove. Um, again, he he made the right choice. You know, Dane Brugler tweeted out that the consensus he's got from, from scouts that he's heard, you know, he had the potential to do more harm than good in the, in the peach bowl. So, uh, you know, I, I think the right choice by saying, you know what, I got to sit this one out. Um, but didn't have the, the chance to answer. I would probably still take him in the round, but I'm going to have worry about, about those, you know, size, strength, speed concerns. Um, It'll be interesting to see the the kind of process he has. Hopefully by sitting out and as he continues to rehab, get to the combine and he's able to do drills and he's able to test uh, and he can kind of, you know, uh, have some of those Drake London-esque um, solutions. You know, also couldn't even run the 40. He did drills at his pro day. He did those sorts of his pro day. Uh, but he also had concerns. You know, people were like, well, is he fast? He has a big body. Can he separate? Uh, even though his take clearly showed he could. Um, where it's, you know, 
different body types, different skill sets, right? kind of the same question marks. Um, and so I envision that difficult pre-draft process for Smith and Jigba where they have a lot of questions to answer. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, you know, teams are going to ask him, you know, it was the playoffs, you tough it out. And, you know, he's going to have to answer for those, those sorts of two, which are, I think are a little bit unfair. Um, I think he's still a tremendous player. I think he's still a tremendous talent. Uh, but it will be interesting to see the kind of pre-draft process he has. Yeah, it seems like he's he's starting to trim more towards a, a a day two guy. But but to me, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in the back end of the first round, because I think with the tape that he he's put on on the board, I mean, there were the games where he was shining above Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, mm-hmm. and obviously the Rose Bowl game kind of put a stamp on on a, a terrific season last year. This year, obviously dealing with injury concerns, just didn't look the same. And, you know, obviously another talented receiver room. But to me, I think what's telling is that with all this receiver talent, everyone wanted to know when he would be back or if he would be back. And I think that speaks to the talent level and the high level play that he he possessed at the college level. Sure, he's not answering the long speed concerns. He's not answering, you know, the physicality, you know, things like that. But we have a dude that can can separate that that is very witty at the top of routes that can you know create that separation before the ball gets there has really strong hands and and can can you know run pretty much any route that you throw at him i i think that kind of speaks for itself and to me i still think he's certainly you know i think a still first round worthy i think he's a, a guy that is going to get knocked because maybe he's just a slot only guy but we've seen guys that have operated mostly from the slot, still go in round one or in the back end of round one or early round two. Uh, Elijah Moore come, you know, comes to to mind. Obviously, not the same type of style of play, but you know, a guy that had concerns uh, about you know, can he operate? And you know, now he's finally getting a chance to do so. You know, uh, you know, with Mike White at quarterback for the Jets, but certainly, I think it's interesting to. It's going to be a fascinating discussion all all draft season. But I think what's helping Jackson Smith and Jigbo or what will help them in this draft process, I think, is that there's really no bona fide wide receiver one right now. You know, I think Mm -hmm. you have Quinn Johnston, who, you know, has all kind of those tools, but he hasn't been productive in every single game this year. You know, he's shown flashes, but hasn't hasn't put all together. Jordan Addison, I think, kind of, I won't say took a step back, but didn't exactly blow us away, you know, this year. He's had he had his moments this year for USC, but I don't think he was always the the top player on the field. Obviously, Kayla Williams took over that pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. you know, you look at the this the rest of receiver class, there's really nothing, you know, I won't say nothing, but there's really no one that's clearly separating themselves. So it, I mean, we could still be in a situation where we get into the teens, the mid late teens and a team still wants to take Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, despite, you know, guys like Johnston and Addison, you know, being in this class. I think Keishon Butte going back, it was a big one as well and a big blow to this receiver class. So th- there's really there's a lot of really good guys at the top of the receiver class, but there's not that guy that's like, yes, I want him on my team, top 10, top 15 guys. So I think that's going to help him as well in this process, assuming everything else goes smoothly, he's able to test and and participate in pro day. I think those are going to be the the big two things that he needs to do. But I, I still think he's in the mix to be this class's receiver one, despite, you know, not really being able to play 
this season. So uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. But but I think Smith and Jigba is, I think, being written off a little bit too much by some people, uh, despite what he's put mm-hmm. on tape. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree to that. Uh, I mean, he tried to gut it out. You know, he played a series against Iowa in week seven, and it didn't work. He tried to come back in week three. It didn't work after he left in week one against Notre Dame. So he tried. He really did try. Um, you know, the the impact of Marvin Harrison, who should win the Bolitnikoff by all accounts, and um, probably probably masked the impact of missing Jackson Smith and Jigba, but Ryan Day, uh, Ohio State's head coach, multiple times. Yeah, it's it's a big big loss to not have field. So um, it does stink for him. You know, I thought there was a chance he might come back, but you know, uh, you know, go get your money. I'm never going to tell somebody not to go get their money. Um, but it does leave that debate. You know, I, I would probably lean Quentin J- Johnston at this point, just because we are talking about a lot of guys who. The, the most of their routes come from the slot. I really like Josh as well. I don't know if there's a player who throttles their routes as well as Josh Downs does in this class, uh, who gets in and out of breaks and just has the ability to to control tempo like he does um, off of his release. So I like Josh Downs too um, in that conversation. But I do think it has to, like, I, because I, I value where do you run routes from? I value that. If, if it's just from the slot, then that kind of, I think the impact a player can have on a game. So I, that just makes me say, you know, Johnson's probably going to be that guy. But again, I'm excited to dive in. I think I'm going to do wide receiver next. I've done defensive tackles. I've done offensive tackles. So um kind of finalizing some of those bigger. So I'm, I'm working through it. And I think I'm going to do receivers next. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, but there are some other guys, you know, who have some big names. And Anton Harrison from from Oklahoma, Drivel Dexter from Florida, uh, quite a few. We hit, you know, Levis and, and Richardson. Um Devin, who's one player you think out of uh, guys who've declared that was, oh, wow, that's really shocking in, in a way that's like, wow, I really felt like they could have used another year. Uh, Taiwan Mullen from Indiana uh, come to mind. And to that's me, he was like really good freshman season, uh, had a solid sophomore year, but really last two years have been incredibly disappointing. And to me, I think he... I think he should look to – I know there's a lot of people on the transfer. I think he should transfer because Indiana right now is just not trending in the right direction, and he needs to be playing nickel because I still see him at outside corner. I think he's a nickel at the next level. He still has a talent. Obviously, the name holds weight um, as well. You know, younger brother, Trayvon Mullen. Um, so to me, I think he should have come back another year. I see that he declared – and to me, I think he's probably going to be on that borderline, um, you know, of of he might be a UDFA because the tape this year just was not great. You know, and you look at the the games that they played this year. He was he was not having having a great year. He really didn't last year either. Uh, going back and watching the film, um, you know, he had some had some bright spots this season, too. But he just has not put together that freshman year play. I mean, there were there were plays he was making that was insane there was like a seam route on kj hamler that he made a play on um you know there you know against michigan state he was making some great plays at the goal line but since you know over the last couple of years it just seems like the the confidence isn't as there anymore because i mean indiana's defense was on the field a ton this year too because their offense mm-hmm. was just decimated with injury future yeah <laughs> yeah he, he just it, it was just a hard watch, you know, because, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, you kind of leave in the back of your mind. You go and check in on him on a Saturday and see how he's doing. He wasn't doing too well. Um, So I, I thought he should have came back another year. 
use that extra year of eligibility, maybe transfer and go to to uh, another program that's going to use him, I think, correctly in, in terms of what he needs to be. But I think the, the talent is there to to carve out NFL career, but I'm worried that he's going to get lost in in kind of the um, you know the mix of, of the NFL draft and and really really not a great end to a very promising career that started off really well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he had a lot of buzz two years ago. You know, I think he was coming out of out of a sophomore year with a lot of buzz and. Uh, didn't really live up to the hype at Indiana after that. Um, so I, I, I definitely agree with the, the Taiwan Mullen pick there. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy who's still going to get drafted day two. You know, I, I he's still going to get drafted. He's going to Indianapolis. He's going to test off the charts. Teams are going to love with his tools, his power profile. Uh, but I thought Florida defensive tackle Jervon Dexter senior didn't, didn't have the junior campaign. I was hoping and I really liked his sophomore tape. Like I loved what I saw. Like he, he's lifted centers off of the ground know getting into their chest but i i don't think he took a step forward he still tends to rely on his power file his long arm bull rush doesn't really show a lot outside of that i think his pad level's a little high um i think there's evidence of him not firing the ball on a snap basis uh so i again he's gonna get drafted top 100 because he's got good tools because he's an athletic freak he's explosive he's got a good power profile he's got the length he's young teams are gonna love him uh, but I just wish the tape was a little bit better. And I think the tape was a little bit, he could be a first round pick. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. I would still draft Jervon Dexter on my team. I, there are a lot of teams that would. Um, I just don't feel like he capitalized on the, in 2020 as well as he could have. Yeah, I, I feel like we're going to have quite a few of those guys in this class this year where there was buzz around around them earlier in the year, or maybe last year, uh, you know, coming into this year. And they're, they just didn't quite match you know kind of the hype that that was coming in and i think he he's one of those guys is, is certainly with the tr- league trending more back towards guys that need to be run stoppers that's a, a big reason why i think keanu benton is probably gonna get get selected you know on day two and, and probably in that like 40 to, to 60 range and, and off of someone's board uh just because of what he brings to uh you know run up run stopping ability um you know like like you said dexter I think he, he could have taken another step there and, and played uh, a little bit more consistently. Um, we'll, we'll get to one more guy each that we may have recently watched um, that, uh, you know, kind of Im- or impressed him, you know, for, for good reasons or not. Uh, for me, it's Derek Hall from Auburn, the edge. Um, to me, he was, you know, a guy that had a ton of hype coming into the season. And I think, at times he lived up to the hype this year. Um, I think for me, some people see him as a three, four outside linebacker. I think I tend to see him more as a four, three DN because mm-hmm. I really like his ability to stack and shed, um, you know, on the edge. You know, there were a couple of times that teams tried to double him with, with a tight end and tackle or try to block him straight up with a tight end. Like Darnell Washington tried to block him one on one and that didn't go too well. Um, but he has that long arm. Uh, bull rush in, in his arsenal and the pass rushing ability. Um, really someone that, that thrives off of rushing high side and, and using the cross chops and, uh, you know, being able to get underneath the, the pad level has, I believe, 34 inch arms that, that can, can really get into some guys. But there were some things that to me kind of wanted me to trend him more towards a 4-3 DN was, you know, 
he has sufficient bend, but I don't think it's anything overly special. Like mm-hmm. you see him be able to turn the corner, convert speed to power and, and able to, to, you know, you know, cut off that, that corner, but it's not anything ridiculous. He tried to hit the ghost move a couple of times and just did not have that ability to do it. Just didn't have that flexibility. Uh, one of the reasons and two, Auburn dropped him a ton in college uh, in covers this year. And I'm not sure why, mm. you know, I, I, he just feels like a guy that needs to be going after dudes on, on third down rushes. And right. he didn't look overly fluid in space. Like he's able to make plays in space and, and you can run flat down line scrimmage and make plays in a run game. But to me, I didn't see someone that was going to be covering like tight ends, you know, or, or carrying them up the seam or, or carrying up a running back up, you know, up the sideline on a wheel route. I didn't see that, you know. So to me, I think he's probably a four three DN that, you know, mm-hmm. is going to he's a no nonsense type of, of rusher. I think he there's gonna be value there on day on day two, probably around the round three area for me. So I think he's a really solid player. I don't think and, and testing may change this, but but I think for me, I think he's one of those guys that's kind of going to be like a rotational guy and, and can, you know, I think he can get up to six, seven sacks a year, but I just don't think he's going to be that guy that, you know, is, is overly dynamic and needs to be in a 3-4 a system. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe they, they put him in reduced formations and, and put him at, uh you know, defensive end if a team that in the 3-4 does take him. But I really like his ability to set the edge, especially in a run game. Yeah, that's the one thing that stood out for me with, with Derek Hall, too, is he's got heavy, heavy, heavy hands, um, and, and he's got that good power profile. Uh, one player that stuck out for me that that I watched recently, again, I just worked through offensive tackle. I watched eight of the top guys, and uh, my DT, my OT3, not DT3, uh, my OT3 uh, was a surprise to me when I when I graded him out, and it's Anton Harrison from from Oklahoma. Um you know, I watched him over the summer and I wasn't blown away. You know, he had a lot of fans who liked him. And, and you know, I, I thought his foot speed was a little bit sluggish. I thought his pad level was high. You know, I thought he was a little soft. Uh, I watched his 2022 tape and I don't, I still don't think he's a physically dominant player by any stretch of means. I think his hands are soft. I think his hands are soft. Uh, I don't think he generates much movement in the run game, but he is a very fluid mover. Uh, he's a stalwart as a pass protector, drops his anchor really, really well, really, really easily, uh, which allows him to take on bull, which allows him to, to anchor and bull pretty easily. Um, but the movement skills really, really stuck out to me. You know, he, his change of direction is really firm, good bait, good balance, uh, fast feet. Uh, and so I, I love Anton Harrison, uh, doesn't give up the outside shoulder very much at all. Um, and so Anton Harrison's a guy for me that that really stood out, and I, I would take him in the first round probably. Uh, I mean, if he's OT three, you know, historically three four offensive tackles go first round. So for me, that would be yeah, I put a, a second round grade on him. But but if he's if you know once Fashano, once Olu Fashano went back to school, which we talked about last week, that would have been my OT one pretty easily, you know. But outside of Pearson Jr. and Peter Skronsky, who are are pretty much notorious for being one too. Um, it's kind of wide open. And for me, that, that ended up being Harrison. So I'm, I, I was excited about how excited I was about Harrison. So uh, he's a really, really good football player. And I think he made the right decision to, to, to declare as a true junior. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to go, to go back and watch and, and see, you know, kind of how he's evolved since, since the summer. Uh, Cause I had similar thoughts coming into the year uh, as you did. So I'm excited to watch him. Uh, you know, I'm excited to get more into this tackle class. Skaronsky and, and Darnell Wright are up next for me. Uh, just finished up Trey Palmer, too, but we can talk about that next week because, uh, you know, it's not anything pressing. But 
I was I will say I was impressed with, with Trey Palmer, so I'm excited to share my thoughts uh about him on our next episode. Speaking of which, that's all we got for today's episode on the Daft on Drive podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. Uh, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Kinnon. Um, and, and we're going to have much more uh, next week in, in terms of evaluation, since now we're going to probably be moving further away from some of these decisions on transfers and, and guys that are deciding to clear or not. Um, but we will it'll be more heavily focused on looking at, some of the prospects we're we're writing up and, and evaluating and, and maybe some of the trending prospects as well. Hopefully it's not a, uh, another quarterback that we have to, to discuss or, or debate. We, we can hold off on the CJ Stroud and, and Bryce Young uh, debates for now, but, but I'm, I know they'll be coming in, in the next couple months, but uh, that's all we got for the, for today's episode. Anything you want to leave them with Corey? Uh, hey, it's almost Christmas. Best time of the year, baby. I love it. Christmas movies everywhere. Watch them. Turn them all on. Turn them all on. You heard this, man. But till next time, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later, and uh, y'all enjoy your day.